0: The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution, Book 3, The Tuileries, Chapter 5, The Day of Ponyards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 3, Chapter 5, The Day of Ponyards. Or again, what means this visible reparation of the castle of Vincennes? Other jails being all crowded with prisoners, new space is wanted here. That is the municipal account. For in such changing of judicatures, parliaments being abolished, and new courts but just set up, prisoners have accumulated. Not to say that in these times of discord and club law, offences and committals are, at any rate, more numerous. Which municipal account does it not sufficiently explain the phenomenon? surely to repair the castle of vincent was to all enterprises that an enlightened municipality could undertake the most innocent not so however does neighbouring saint-antoine look on it saint-antoine to whom these peaked turrets and grim donjons all too near her own dark dwelling are of themselves an offence was not vincent a kind of minor bastille Great Diderot and Philosophe have lain endurance here, great Mirabeau in disastrous eclipse for forty-two months. And now, when the old Bastille has become a dancing ground, had anyone the mirth to dance, and its stones are getting built into the Pont-Louis says, does this minor comparative insignificance of a Bastille flank itself, with fresh-hewn millions, spread out tyrannous wings, menacing patriotism? New space for prisoners, and what prisoners. A Dorléans were the chief patriots on the tip of the left. It is said there runs a subterranean passage all the way from the Tuileries hither. Who knows? Paris, mined with quarries and catacombs, does hang wondrous over the abyss. Paris was once to be blown up, though the powder, when we went to look, had got withdrawn. A Tuileries sold to Austria and Coblenz should have no subterranean passage out of which might not Coblenz or Austria issue some morning, and, with cannon of long range, Foudroyer bethunder a patriotic Saint-Antoine into smoulder and ruin? So meditates the benighted soul of Saint-Antoine as it sees the aproned workmen in early spring busy on these towers. An official-speaking municipality, a sieur Motier with his legions of mouchards, deserve no trust at all. Were patriots on terre, indeed, commander? But the sonorous brewer commands only our own battalion, of such secrets he can explain nothing, knows nothing, perhaps suspects much. And so the work goes on, and afflicted, benighted Saint Antoine, hears rattle of hammer sees stones suspended in air. Saint Antoine prostrated the first great Bastille. Will it falter over this comparative insignificance of a Bastille? friends what if we took pikes firelocks sledge-hammers and helped ourselves speedier is no remedy nor so certain on the twenty-eighth day of february saint antoine turns out as it has now often done and apparently with little superfluous tumult moves eastward to that eye sorrow of Vincennes. With grave voice of authority, no need of bullying and shouting, Saint Antoine signifies to parties concerned there that its purpose is to have this suspicious stronghold raised level with the general soil of the country. Remonstrance may be proffered with zeal, but it avails not. The outer gate goes up, drawbridges tumble, iron window stanchions smitten out with sledgehammers become iron crowbars. It rains furniture, stone masses, slates. With chaotic clatter and rattle, demolition clatters down. And now hasty expressers rush through the agitated streets to warn Lafayette and the municipal and departmental authorities. Rumour warns a National Assembly, a Royal Tuileries and all men who care to hear it, that Saint-Antoine is up, that Vincennes and probably the last remaining institution of the country is coming down. Quick, then, let Lafayette roll his drums and fly eastward, for to all constitutional patriots this is again bad news. And you, ye friends of royalty, Snatch your poniards of improved structure made to order, Your sword-canes, secret arms, and tickets of entry. Quick, by backstairs passages, Rally round the son of sixty kings. An effervescence probably got up by Dorleon and company For the overthrow of throne and altar. It is said Her Majesty shall be put in prison, Put out of the way. What then will His Majesty be? Clay for the sanscalotic potter. Or were it impossible to fly this day, a brave noblesse suddenly all rallying? Peril threatens, hope invites, dukes de Villachier, de Dura, gentlemen of the chamber, give tickets and admittance, a brave noblesse is suddenly all rallying. Now were the time to fall sword in hand on those gentry there, could it be done with effect?' the hero of two worlds is on his white charger blue nationals horse and foot hurrying eastward santerre with the st antoine battalion is already there apparently indisposed to act heavy-laden hero of two worlds what tasks are these the jeerings provocative gamblings of that patriot suburb which is all out on the streets now are hard to endure unwashed patriots jeering in sulky sport one unwashed patriot seizing the general by the boot to unhorse him santerre ordered to fire makes answer obliquely these are the men that took the bastille and not a trigger stirs Neither dare the Vincennes Magistry give warrant of arrestment or the smallest countenance, wherefore the General will take it on himself to arrest. By promptitude, by cheerful adroitness, patience and brisk valour without limits, the riot may be again bloodlessly appeased. Meanwhile the rest of Paris, with more or less unconcern, may mind the rest of its business, for what is this but an effervescence of which there are now so many? The National Assembly, in one of its stormiest moods, is debating a law against emigration, Mirabeau declaring aloud, I swear beforehand that I will not obey it. Mirabeau is often at the Tribune this day, with endless impediments from without, with the old unabated energy from within. What can murmurs and clamours from left or from right do to this man, like Tenerife or Atlas, unremoved? with clear thought with strong bass voice though at first low uncertain he claims audience sways the storm of men anon the sound of him waxes softens he rises into far-sounding melody of strength triumphant which subdues all hearts his rude-seamed face desolate fire-scathed becomes fire-lit and radiates once again men feel in these beggarly ages what is the potency and omnipotency of man's word on the souls of men i will triumph or be torn in fragments he was once heard to say silence he cries now in strong word of command in imperial consciousness of strength silence the thirty voices silence trente voix, and robespierre and the thirty voices die into mutterings and the law is once more as Mirabeau would have it. How different at the same instant is General Lafayette's street eloquence, wrangling with sonorous brewers with an ungrammatic Saint Antoine! Most different again from both is the Café de Valois eloquence and suppressed fanfaronade of this multitude of men with tickets of entry who are now inundating the corridors of the Tuileries. Such things can go on simultaneously in one city. How much more in one country, in one planet, with its discrepancies, every day a mere crackling infinitude of discrepancies, which nevertheless do yield some coherent net product, though an infinitesimally small one? Be this as it may, Lafayette has saved Vincennes, and is marching homewards with some dozen of arrested demolitionists. Royalty is not yet saved, nor indeed specially endangered but to the king's constitutional guard to these old garde francais or centre grenadiers as it chanced to be this affluence of men with tickets of entry is becoming more and more unintelligible is his majesty verily for metz then to be carried off by these men on the spur of the instant that revolt of saint-antoine got up by traitor royalists for a stalking-horse Keep a sharp lookout, ye centre grenadiers, on duty here. Good never came from men in black. Nay, they have cloaks, red-tingoats, some of them, leather breeches, boots, as if for instant riding. Or what is this that sticks visible from the lapel of chevalier de corps, Too like the handle of some cutting or stabbing instrument? He glides and goes, and still the dudgeon sticks from his left lapel. Hold, monsieur! A centre grenadier clutches him, clutches the protrusive dudgeon, whisks it out in the face of the world. By heaven, a very dagger, hunting-knife, or whatsoever you call it, fit to drink the life of patriotism. So fared it with chevalier de Corps early in the day, not without noise, not without commentaries. And now this continually increasing multitude at nightfall, have they daggers too? alas with them too after angry parleings there has begun a groping and rummaging all men in black spite of their tickets of entry are clutched by the collar and groped scandalous to think of for always as the dirk sword-cane pistol or were it but taylor's bodkin is found on him and with loud scorn drawn forth from him he the hapless man in black is flung all too rapidly down stairs flung and ignominiously descends head foremost accelerated by ignominious shovings from sentry after sentry, nay as is written by smitings twitchings spurnings a posteriori not to be named In this accelerated way emerges, uncertain which end uppermost, man after man in black, through all issues into the Tuileries' garden. He merges, alas, into the arms of an indignant multitude, now gathered and gathering there in the hour of dusk to see what is toward, and whether the hereditary representative is carried off or not. Hapless men in black, at last convicted of poniards made to order, convicted chevaliers of the poniard, within is as the burning ship without is as the deep sea within is no help his majesty looking forth one moment from his interior sanctuaries coldly bids all visitors give up their weapons and shuts the door again the weapons given up form a heap the convicted chevaliers of the poniard keep descending pell-mell with impetuous velocity, and at the bottom of all staircases the mixed multitude receives them, hustles, buffets, chases, and disperses them. Such sight meets Lafayette in the dusk of the evening as he returns, successful with difficulty at Vincennes. saint hardly weathered, here is aristocrat Charybdis gurgling under his lee. The patient hero of two worlds almost loses temper. He accelerates, does not retard the flying chevaliers, Delivers, indeed, this or the other hunted loyalist of quality, But rates him in bitter words such as the hour suggested, Such as no saloon could pardon. Hero ill-bested hanging, so to speak, in mid-air, Hateful to rich divinities above, hateful to indigent mortals below. Duke de Villachia, gentleman of the chamber, gets such contumelious rating in presence of all people there that he may see good first to exculpate himself in the newspapers, then, that not prospering, to retire over the frontiers and begin plotting at Brussels. His apartment will stand vacant, usefuler, as we may find, than when it stood occupied. So fly the Chevaliers of the poniard, hunted of patriotic men, shamefully in the thickening dusk. A dim, miserable business, born of darkness, dying away there in the thickening dusk and dimness. In the midst of which, however, let the reader discern clearly one figure running for his life, Crispin Cataline d'Espremenil, for the last time, or the last but one. It is not yet three years since these same centre grenadiers, garde francais then, marched him towards the Calypso Isles in the grey of the May morning, and he and they have got thus far. Buffeted, beaten down, delivered by popular Pétion, he might well answer bitterly, and I too, monsieur, have been carried on the people's shoulders. A fact which popular Pétion, if he like, can meditate. But happily, one way and another, the speedy night covers up this ignominious day of poniards, and the Chevaliers escape, though maltreated, with torn coat-skirts and heavy hearts to their respective dwelling-houses. Riot twofold is quelled, and little blood shed. If it be not insignificant blood from the nose, Vincennes stands undemolished, repairable, and the hereditary representative has not been stolen, nor the Queen smuggled into prison. A day long remembered, commented on with loud ha-has and deep grumblings, with bitter scornfulness of triumph, bitter rancour of defeat. Royalism, as usual, imputes it to Dorleon and the anarchists intent on insulting majesty. Patriotism, as usual, to royalists or even constitutionalists intent on stealing majesty to Metz. We, also as usual, to preternatural suspicion and Phoebus Apollo having made himself like the knight. Thus, however, has the reader seen in an unexpected arena on this last day of February 1791, the three long-contending elements of French society dashed forth into singular comico-tragical collision, acting and reacting openly to the eye. Constitutionalism, at once quelling sans riot at Vincennes and royalist treachery from the Tuileries, is great this day and prevails. As for poor royalism, tossed to and fro in that manner, its daggers all left in a heap, what can one think of it? Every dog, the adage says, has its day, has it, has had it, or will have it. For the present, the day is Lafayette's and the Constitution's. Nevertheless, hunger and Jacobinism, fast-growing fanatical, still work. Their day, were they once fanatical, will come. Hitherto, in all tempests, Lafayette, like some divine sea-ruler, raises his serene head. The upper Aeolus's blasts fly back to their caves like foolish unbidden winds. The undersea billows they had vexed into froth allay themselves. But if, as we often write, the submarine titanic fire powers come into play, the ocean bed from beneath being burst, if they hurled Poseidon Lafayette and his constitution out of space and in the titanic melee sea were mixed with sky, End of book three, chapter five.